Oh, God, you are so good. I can't help. God, do you intentionally sometimes put us in places where we cannot extract ourselves? Not because you don't love us, but because you want to keep our hand firmly in yours. I had wandered in my neighborhood yesterday with my grandchildren. I just, I just felt that father part of God that wanted to protect, that wanted to trust, wanted to draw near his children to himself. Forgive us, God, for the times when, like errant children, we have wandered from you. We have wandered from your path. Oftentimes, God, we have put ourselves and others in danger because we were so proud. We were so independent. We were so confident that we knew better than you. Oh, God, forgive us our sins, for they are many. Thank you, God, that your mercy is never ending, God. Thank you that any time we choose to turn, to turn around from our sin and return to you, God, like the, the Father in Jesus' parables, you run to us and you, you hug us around our neck and you, and you welcome us back into your family. Oh, we love you, God. We thank you for Jesus, your only begotten Son who made a way, who created a path so that we might forever be in relationship with you. Now, if you think about the challenges of our lives right now, many people are just absolutely physically, emotionally, and many spiritually drained. And it's all we can do to lift up our heads and look into your eyes. But God, you are our source of strength. And having been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, having, having been cleansed and invited into your presence, would you now just allow us to draw strength? Speak to us now, God. Would you, words of life, call us to yourself. And Lord, even, even when we don't know how to respond, we will turn to you. We will cry out the name of Jesus and we will pray the prayer that he taught us saying together, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power And the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Oh, goodness. Would you open God's Word with me? We're going to first go to the Old Testament. If you would just open your Bible right in the middle, you would find somewhere probably in the the Psalms. Just one book to the right is the Proverbs. If you would go to Proverbs chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Proverbs chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of God, would you? My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice 
for understanding. If you will seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Oh, it's so overwhelmed with all the verbs there, right? Receive treasure. Make your ear attentive. Incline your heart. Call out. Raise your voice. Seek it like treasure, right? Then, then, the Word of God says, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, the very Word of God. Now, thank you, Lord. Turn, would you, to the book we've been studying together these last weeks, the book of Colossians. We are still in chapter 1. We're going to pick it up uh, today from, from verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1. Paul is speaking, he's writing, and he says to the Colossians, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He, God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the very Word of God. Mm, thank you, God. Wow. Wow. Can you think back to those times when, um, when you lost track of the path, right? Um, this happens all the time. Well, they, they've left. They're not there anymore. But all, it happens all the time to uh, backpackers, right? We, um, we're on the trail. We're thinking about something else. And all of a sudden, the trail has gotten really thin. And then all of a sudden, that puppy just runs out altogether. And you go, what happened? What happened? And, and many people in that situation just start wandering aimlessly. Or what I do is just go faster, right? When I'm lost, I go faster. It's true when I'm driving. It's true when I'm hiking. I'm with a group of people, and all of a sudden I start taking off, and I'm walking faster. Why? Because I'm lost. I have no idea where I'm going, right? If you see me walk fast in the service, you'll know I'm lost, right? But what happens when it's not just on a backpack trip? What happens when... When it's in life, right? Does that ever, you know what I'm talking about? Does that ever happen to you? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you look around and the path is not clear. You look around and the people who always have been your rock and your fortress, the people that have always been there for you. I'm reaching out because it's like psychologically you reach out to make sure they're there, right? That's why we grieve so much when we lose a loved one, right? Because they were there before and they're no longer there. And all of a sudden, it just seems like we're misplaced, like like we've lost our way. I mean, what happens if that's spiritual, right? Some of us have been there, right? I'm kind of guessing all of us. 
been there. I'm, I'm sorry if I ever portrayed you that, that just when you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, there'd be like a, a street light that would lead your way, right? That would be true if we weren't broken, probably. But the reality is that we wander from the path even spiritually. And so I'm so grateful for the Apostle Paul, right? And, and his words, they are so challenging. If you kind of tried to read ahead and you, you read those long sentences and you go, great, Scott, I have no idea what that boy just said, right? Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. That's why we want to go to his word and, and try and parse it out, try and unpack it in a way that brings life. But if you've ever been at that place where you... Where you I want to say wanted, right? You wanted to know God's will. And for those of you who understand the deeper point, who need to know God's will, right? I'm not sure I can go forward. God, I can't find my way. For those of you who have ever been at that place, um, you're in the right place now. The Apostle Paul is going to give us some help. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never returns to you void without accomplishing its purposes. God, we set your word free. Speak to us words of life, would you? I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, wow. So... Uh, the Apostle Paul wants to speak into our lives about his path, about God's path, about his will for our life. And, and he continues this opening uh, introduction to the book of Colossians with the statement from the day we heard. Well, what have we heard? Just a reminder about last week. Do you remember that? That that. The Apostle Paul, in one of the many times in Scripture where he isolates these three ways, right? Far beyond our spiritual giftedness, far beyond our passion. He said, I'm going to show you a more excellent way, right? In Corinthians 13, he he reminded us that we have to put our hope in something greater than ourselves. And at some point along the journey, you remember that? We We have to put our weight down on that hope of faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And, and so at some point you have to say, I'm going to believe this and I'm going to put my weight down on it. And then, and then we saw that the, the reflection of that, uh, of that faith is that your life changes, right? And, and now your love for God increases and your love, even for those who might um, not receive you, even for those who... Um, who might be your enemies, your love increases. So these three remain. He says that in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, faith, hope, and love. He says in Colossians, hope, right? Hope, faith, and love. These three, right? But the greatest of these is love. So Paul is reminding us, so since the day we heard of your hope, since the day we heard of your faith, in Jesus Christ. Since the day we heard of your love for all the saints, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you. And that's just astounding to me, right? Wait a second. If, if, if as we said, Jesus is supreme, if, as we said, Jesus is sufficient, why is, why is Paul saying, we've not stopped praying for you, right? Well, Jesus is sufficient. Jesus 
is supreme, but, but we sometimes wander off the path. And the Apostle Paul says, the thing, the thing that holds us together is prayer. And so it won't be a major thing today, but don't ever lose sight of that. It is not the last thing you do when nothing else can work, right? It's not the fail-safe. It's the starting point. It's the starting point of, of individuals and, and, and families of God um, coming to understand God's will. Paul says, we have not ceased to pray for you. What is he praying? I shared with you last week that, that there's several places in the Scripture where there's just astounding prayers. And I, I'm so mindful when I get together with other believers um, uh, to so many different contexts. I'm so grateful for that. And please don't misunderstand me. The, the, the daily uh, life that we live is very important to God. And he loves it when we bring to him the little things, right? The, the things that are on our hearts and minds. But boy, this Apostle Paul, he, he got the bigger things. And... And you will be blessed when you pray for those bigger things. What was he praying for them? He was praying that they would know God's will. That they would know God's will. Twenty times in Scripture, um, very specifically, the Word of God says that someone is praying that we will know God's will. Eight times in the Apostle Paul, he says it very specifically. This is the will of God. So God's will is not a secret. God's will is not some mystery. There are mysteries of our faith. Who's ever tried to explain Trinity, you know? There are mysteries that are hard for our finite brains to comprehend, right? But that's not true for the will of God. We can know His will. We can know. And, and Paul actually went one step further. He said, not just that you would give intellectual assent to it, but you would be filled with the knowledge of His will. Be filled with all spiritual. And he goes and helps us understand it. Let me just remind you of a teaching from before. Not all of us were together before when we approached this sequence of things. But Paul says very specifically, I, part of His will is wisdom. Is Wisdom. Not all about you, but when I think about wisdom, I, I, I think about the big picture, right? I think of, of seeing how everything fits together and living my life in a way that reflects that big picture. So wisdom is not just, uh, just uh, the ability to see the big picture. It's the ability to put it into practice. And so, so Paul is, is praying that we, and including us, because we're disciples just like the Colossians were, we would be filled with all spiritual wisdom. Well, how, how do we get it? A better question, how do we keep? How do we keep wisdom, right? Because I learn things many times over, and I said, here I go again. I'm learning the same lesson that I learned when I was 15, how do we keep that wisdom? Well, to do that, I just want to remind you of um, the backwards way that I have approached um, God's wisdom. Um, and I, I invite you to think deeply about it yourself, because most likely if you're a product of American educational system, you came into the same way. The, the three things to keep in mind are wisdom, understanding, 
and knowledge, right? We've talked about this before. I just assumed, and I think the educational system beat it into me, but I just assumed that the goal is to get as much knowledge as you can. In other words, the, the, the path was three, two, one, uh, right, in your notes. I, I assumed that if I just got enough of the puzzle pieces on the table, right, then, then maybe they would start fitting together. And I have a very visual image in my mind. I'm blessed to be able to enter many um, residential communities, and they always have a room where there's puzzles. I can't do a puzzle to save my life. But there are people that are really gifted. I'll come into the building, and then it'll be half done. I'll leave, and it's like three-quarters almost all the way done. Aren't, aren't you going to ask me? Did I take that last piece? Did I take it? I was tempted to. I tell you, I was tempted to. One time we were making a puzzle at our home. In fact, it was a puzzle gifted to us. I think it was a puzzle. My memory might be failing me, but I think it was a puzzle that someone had specially made of Evansville. And so it was pretty obvious where the puzzle pieces went, right? And, and we were making that puzzle, and we got to the end of that puzzle, and there was one piece missing, right? And we all just looked at each other, right? It was you, wasn't it? It was you. And, 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 and a lot of dissension was... was um, you. It wasn't me. It was the dog. The dog ate the puzzle piece, and we found out in a very gross, and I won't tell you how way, that the dog... Yeah, I know. But, but meanwhile, we trashed each other, right, As, and, and accused each other of all those kinds of things. I just assumed if you had enough puzzle pieces on the table, that they'd start to fit together. And oftentimes when I'm walking by these, these gifted people, you see little clusters of pieces, right, that come together. There's little clusters of understanding. And I just assumed if you had enough of the pieces on the table, they would start to fit together, understanding would happen, right? And then, and then if, after a while, if, if you kept working at it, if you tried hard to understand, then wisdom would result. The whole picture would be the result, right? But we discovered together in our study of James many years ago, that James says, if any of you lacks the big picture, if any of you lacks wisdom, the ability to put this understanding into action, let him or her ask God, and it will be freely given to him. Right? And I'm thinking, having what? I can't count fast enough, but 19 years of school, right? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that I can just ask God for it and he'll freely give it and I'll understand everything? Stop. That's not what he said, right? He said he will give you wisdom. I've left my wisdom on the podium over there, but you've got wisdom right in front of you, don't you? Not my notes. That's certainly not the wisdom. That's the wisdom, right? This is freely yours, Tracy. Freely yours, right? Now, do you understand it all? No. Oh, no, no. So you still will spend... Did you catch that in Proverbs 2? Oh, my goodness, crying out, right, for insight, calling aloud, searching for it, like for hidden treasure, right? If you knew, I'm one of those archaeological nuts, if you knew that there was a cache of gold pieces in your backyard, you would aerate your soil, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, you've got to search. God has given you his wisdom, but you've got to search for that understanding. And, 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 
And Pastor Dave, if you're saying this whole thing's backwards, if you're saying you, wisdom is freely given, understanding is something that you work at, where does knowledge fit in? He's not talking about intellectual sin. He's not talking about the crazy thing that our world is turning upside down right now, about knowledge, right? He's talking about intimacy with God. Knowledge in the Bible is intimacy, right? Adam knew Eve. You can know. Isn't that crazy, Shirley? You can know God. You can have an intimate relationship with God, right? I'm drawn back to that imagery of the past because I'd like to say that I live in that intimate relationship with God all all the time. I don't. I don't. The pride comes back in. It's okay, God, I got it for a while right now. I can walk this path, right? How'd that work for you, by the way? Right? Um, and then all of a sudden, I, f- I don't feel like he's there at all. Huh? Sometimes he intentionally puts me in that place where I don't feel his presence so that I'll be reminded, right, of this gift, this gift of intimacy with God. You can be filled, beloved, with the knowledge of God. Holy cow, right? The knowledge of God. Not just which way to turn at this intersection of life, right? But you can know God. And beloved, if you know God, then you won't have to ask which way to turn. Wow. Wow. So just a reminder of that previous teaching, that that wisdom is available to you. And God freely gives it. You'll have to work. That understanding and some of that understanding we won't have in place till we see him face to face. How did how did John put it? Then we will fully know, even as we are fully known, right? So so John is all over the same language, right? So first, Paul is praying that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will. But then and, and, and this is such a reminder to us because I am one that can just camp out in that. I can, I can love my relationship with God sitting in my recliner with the light on and my Bible open. And I love that. I love that. And I'd be a happy little camper just to be able to, to stay there, right? And I would miss out on intimacy with other people. I would miss out on right relationships with other people. So he says, not only do I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will, the wisdom, the understanding, the very knowledge of God, but I also want you to walk. I'm praying that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I just got to stop when I say that because, because just the concept that somehow I could walk in a manner Worthy of Jesus is beyond my comprehension. So Paul tries to help me understand it. He says, this is what, this is what it looks like. You'd be fully pleasing to Jesus. Say, Paul, that doesn't help, right? I don't feel like I'm fully pleasing to Jesus. And Paul says in this made-up conversation I'm having with him, Dave, that's why I'm praying for you. Right? You may walk in a manner fully Pleasing to Jesus. I know it's cliche. I know we tend to take deep truths and make them bumper stickers. But, but, but to be able to do what Jesus would do in a given situation, wow, that, that's fully pleasing, right, to Jesus. And then he gives us a, <clears throat> a beautiful 
imagery, right? That, that's, again, cliche, but, 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 but still beautiful, right? Being fruitful in every good work. I think about that. I'm tempted, I'm tempted to think of my favorite, this is one of the questions at our dinner table recently, my favorite fruit um, this season of my life, the peach, right? Peach has one seed, but, but most fruit has multiple seeds, right? Most fruit that seems to fall to the ground, right? And, and not, well, even, even a peach seed, if it falls, it grows a tree, and that tree produces fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, right? Most fruit has many more seeds. Paul's saying, I want your life to be fully pleasing to Jesus, but I, but I want you to bear fruit in every good work, right? I want you to bear fruit. There's no, no coincidence, Samantha and Chris, that, that I always love doing that because they go, daring. <laughs> I mean, called out. Um, we were commanded to be fruitful and multiply, right? And, and you're going to get so much joy when you see your precious daughter um, living far beyond what you could have ever given her, right? Oh, my goodness. We rejoice with you. You have no idea. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, my goodness. Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? Fully pleasing to Jesus, but but also bearing fruit in every good work. I, I don't know if I left it that way in your notes. I had like four things right down in a row. But I want you to note there's a slight difference right here. How do you do that? How do you live a life that's fully pleasing uh, to Jesus when all I can do sometimes is crawl into my recliner at the end of the day, right? How do you do that? Um, how do I bear fruit in every good work, right? Well, he says the secret to that is being strengthened in his glorious might, right? His power. Being strengthened. Paul saying, I'm praying for you. When you're absolutely in, just, I hesitate to look around the room, right? Because I walk with you through many of those situations where you, where you weren't sure that you could take another step forward. Where you're physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. You've absolutely got to the end of all of your resources. Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that you'd be strengthened with his power. How did, how did he put it in, in uh, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ is the way I remember. I think it actually says Him who strengthens me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God did, didn't just call you to this journey to set you out there by yourself and say, I hope this works out, right? No, He made a way for it to work out. He gave you the strength of His own Son, who, by the way, uh, lived the life that we couldn't live, right? Who, in love, gave up his life so that we might find it. Who courageously embraced even the difficult times. And he was tempted in every way, as we are, right? Yet without sin. And, and, and so that means to me that he got to those places where the Father did not reveal to him what the next steps were. He got to that place where the bushes overcame the path and he couldn't see the way forward, but he trusted 
in his heavenly Father's direction. And because he was faithful, we can draw strength from that. We can be strengthened with all power. We can do all things through him who gives us strength. Come on up, worship team, if you would. Well, how do you know? How do you know when you're on the path? You know, I'd like to think that there's all these markers. I remember my, in my youth and my childhood, they would give you all kinds of formulas for discovering the will of God, aligning like ships coming into a harbor, aligning different lights. And, and there's, there's insight and wisdom in many of those analogy. But, but Paul says something different right here. What he says right here is that one of the marks that you have found your way back onto that path, that you are living in now not the ways of your own flesh, but, but the ways of God is, is gratefulness, is thanksgiving for what God has done, right? What God has done. And beloved, look at this. This is one of the most beautiful expressions of the gospel in all of Scripture, right? What has, God, what has God done? God, the Father, has, past tense, has already done it, has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Wow. Remember, that's really important because they, they all consider themselves slaves to the oppressive Roman environment. You are not a slave You are a child of God. And God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Look at this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. If I had my notes right there, I'd circle share in the inheritance. I would circle delivered us from the domain of darkness. Right? Darkness has no power over you. Some of you are in the room. We're on a trail one time and, and... and the trail ran out, and the sun set, and you spent the night on the middle of, of that trail, right? God has delivered you from that darkness. God has delivered you, saint, to light, right? And then look what he says finally. And transferred us, I'd circle that, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Wow. Wow. Can God... Can God do that? Can God fill me with his presence overflowing? Can God make known to me the mystery of his will, right? Can God even overcome my incessant feelings of inadequacy and somehow Allow me to live in a manner worthy of the Lord. The secret is that the kingdom of God is not dependent on, on your worthiness, right? It's not dependent on that. It's dependent on His worthiness. He has done this. You, through faith in Christ, are a child of God. And made worthy not because of your actions or inactions or actions done to you. Made worthy because of Jesus. So we live lives today. 
we live lives today in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he is worthy, right? Because he is worthy. And if you're at that place where you still feel lost, know this for certain, he is not lost. And, and you are not lost. Because like that father looking across the field, his eyes are on you. He's just longing for the time when you would turn. Would you turn from your own lost ways, gaze in the loving arms, eyes of your father. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way for us. Thank you that we will simply risk admitting that we are not enough that we've fallen short of all we were created to be, if we would simply come to that place where we said, Lord, you are the only one who is worthy, then, God, I know you would welcome us back to your arms. For those prodigal sons and daughters, for those who've never committed their life to Christ, we say today, God... We're turning to you, who alone are worthy. We receive Jesus Christ as Lord, our only Savior. We believe that you raised him from the dead, not to show off God, but but to show us that his life was not lived in vain. and, And our lives will not be in vain when we live in a manner worthy of him. So, Jesus, we declare it today. You are worthy. We just say that with me. You are worthy, God. Be glorified even as we worship you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.